James Bond. Charming, sophisticated secret agent. <laughs> Shaken, but not disturbed. <laughs> Shaken, not stirred. The definitive movie podcast talking about the most influential franchise of all times. Uh, my name is Michael. I will be maybe kind of your host for this one. What better way to kick this thing off than the uh, the James Bond Orchestra's broadcast on the BBC network of the quintessential theme written by Mr. John Barry. Uh, as I mentioned, we are uh, we are shaken, not stirred. So our goal is going to be to go through every single one of the James Bond movies, pick them apart through our keenly developed scientific objective scorecard that nobody has ever produced before. Uh, gentlemen, say hello. Yeah. Hey, um, I'm DJ. Certainly not qualified to be speaking on any of these films. Just your average drunken Bond aficionado, cousin to Mike over there, high school uh, homie with Supel and ex-roommate of Trey, just here to talk some bond yeah i'm john uh also known as soup Supel. a lot of aliases grew up a bond fan since i was a kid ran into these uh jabronis through high school through life met trey we all share many things one of which is beer and the other is james bond and we will be doing a lot of both great intro soup uh you took a lot of mine Shit. my name's trey yeah big beer drinker uh i, I predict we're gonna probably gonna drink a lot of beer during this podcast but big fan of Bond, I'm probably, I guess what you call, I guess what all of us would call a pretty much amateur Bond enthusiast. I would say I got, I got through James Bond through the N64 video game. That sparked my interest. And ever since then, uh, it's been Bond. Yeah. Right. I know DJ from uh, eight years ago now, right? In Florida. E plus at this point, I think. Met Mike and Soup through you and been good. I mean, Trey touched on it a little bit, but GoldenEye video game really sparked, I think, most of our interest in, uh, in the series. I know for yeah. me, I initially watched a lot of the older films, you know, through my family. It was always on around the holidays, good marathons going on. So I was always catching a few of them, but, you know, I didn't really sink my teeth into it until I fell in love with GoldenEye as a game and then just rewatched. I've probably seen these films multiple times over and over again. Ask me one year I have a new favorite just which one is you know recency bias kind of for sure uh, I was fortunately or unfortunately compared to you jabronis I was a lot older and a lot more cognizant of the world in 1997 when Golden Eyes video game came out and I had probably seen through most of these movies when 
on Thanksgiving weekends, they would run the 24 hours of Bond. So unfortunately, or fortunately, GoldenEye was just the uh, the real dive off the dam, if you will, using a, a good metaphor of really getting into them, but had seen, seen, a, seen a lot of them. We got four of us here, but I'll touch on this. Trey and I were talking a little bit not too long ago, and Trey was like, you know what, I think I'm going to rewatch the entire series. And and come up with my own rankings. I, I haven't really done that. I was like, you know what? That, that sounds like a great idea. I might want to make my own list as well. So we were talking about that a little bit. Yeah. And then I started diving a little deeper in. And I'm like, you know what? Let me, let me go search the Google for a little bit. Pulled up some, some Google searches, just browsing around, seeing what people ranked their own films at. Some are newspapers, movie websites. Some are just any old Joe Schmo putting out their ranking go a few pages deep on the google ranking and uh you know you you stop being nice about this okay we decided to try to figure out who actually had a decent ranking of james bond and three quarters of them were absolute trash there's no metrics no nothing set up and that's where this whole thing started from it came down to how do you rate a bond movie because there are some that are great cinematically. There's some where the gadgets are great. There's some where the plot's fantastic. And there's some that are complete and absolute trash, but you love to watch them over and over again. When we looked at all these lists, and to DJ's credit, DJ went through all of them and mapped them out on an Excel document and created an, an average and a means. And we looked at them and said, every single one of these things is absolute trash. So how do we actually look at it? And, and that's where we are. So... That's where the birth uh, and the, the genesis of Shaken Not Stirred came from. So what yep. we had decided, using the simple 100-point scale, we broke down what is the quintessential Bond movie into 10 definitive categories. Each of those categories scores 1 through 10, you know, and at the end, we'll have a score. That is scored against itself. That doesn't mean that a movie that is an 80 on a score is top 5 Bond movie because scored against itself Something like A View to a Kill could be scored way higher than maybe a Thunderball because there's more, there's different plot and better supporting cast or, or these different types of things, but it'll never rank higher. So we, we tried to figure out what is an objective and scientific method. You know, so just call it what it is, man. The rest of these lists were trash. Listen, I'll give some of the lists credit. Some of them were good, but it, it sparks the brain, right? You get all of these listings, you know, link by link or sorting them top to bottom. Hopefully by the end of this podcast, we'll have our own definitive ranking and we can compare it to some of these lists and see where it stacks up. Because most of the lists, they never once mentioned a criteria or their basis on rating something. And it's completely pointless to look at a list if you don't know their grading system and point scale. With ours, they'll have something to fill out their own scorecard and see how our scores fall and why. Yeah, and it's easy to say what's what's the top three Bond movies, I think. I think everyone's going to – all these lists probably have the similar top three. It's easy to say what's the worst Bond movies. You know, everyone – I think all these lists will probably have the same bottom three. We're, we're figuring out what's the meat and potatoes of these Bond movies. Like, what what is actually the best list? I mean, what's the top ten? I think our top ten, I bet you, is going to be probably around the same. I, I, would, I would imagine we're all going to be pretty good about our top tens. Yeah, I mean, Mike was touching on a little bit here. We're bringing it, we're bringing it to the 100-point scale. 
So we decided on 10 categories amongst the four of us. We're trying to text back and forth, have a group chat going like, hey, what are we going to be breaking this down into? And we kind of formulated it into, into 10 categories for scoring 10 points each, get us to 100. Yeah. Overall plot, your performance of the actor playing Bond, the performance of the villain, the performance of the woman playing the Bond girl, the collective guns, cars, gadgets, the overall supporting cast, including your MI6 and your hench people, your quintessential chase and fight scenes, your memorable Bond quotes, the conclusion and ultimate death of the villain of that movie. Um, and, and that brings us to our 10 categories. So you want to dive your, into your some song of the song and opening sequence? Oh, I'm sorry, song and opening sequence. Yep. Which uh, that's one of the categories. I feel like it's going to save some of these movies coming up that might be eh, but there's been so many great songs in the series and great openings. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting to compare those as well. Well, that's the thing is, you know, you break it down by category, you actually have a set in stone criteria that you're ranking these films by. So if you want to pull together a Bond girl ranking, you can do it because we've already scored it. If you want to do it on Bond villain, you can do it that way because we've already scored it. So after we get through each of these episodes of one film after the other and we're rating 10 categories, we can figure out, okay, do we want to make a tier a top bond girls they fall into this category tier a b and c and so on and so forth for every category that we scored because it's the criteria that we developed for this rating system we're we're not scoring it based on oh i love watching this movie it's my favorite bond movie we're scoring it based on how these points meet up to 10 in each of these criteria so we can love a film and it may not score well it's just guilty pleasure that yeah. we like to watch absolutely I mean, so, so diving into it on a brief on the quick categories, right? So the overall plot, pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Most of these movies are pretty linear, pretty rudimentary in their structure. Good guys, bad guys, bad guys trying to do something. Typically, it's some type of situation where they want to hold the world hostage for millions, maybe put two warring countries at odds with one another, lasers on the moon, whatever they might be. But it's the overall plot. And, you know, for me, it's, is it reasonably believable? And could they get away with it? Are there good elements of a story here? And, and, and that's the overall plot to me. Free to Come, jump coming, out of, coming out of, like, what, 24? We're going on 25 Bond mm -hmm. films at this point. Coming out of 24 films, you're going to have some plots that are totally outlandish. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have some that are believable. Doesn't mean that the outlandish one doesn't score very well. It'll ebb and flow. There's going to be high points. There's going to be low points. And I think the originality of the plot will stand out as well. Each film may kind of blend together, I guess, where as far as the plot goes. So the originality of the actual plot to the film is going to play a big part of the score. Absolutely. We're talking about the world's greatest British Secret Service agent that saves the world 24 different times. <laughs> Telling us how we get there, that, that falls into the pot. Now, speaking of, you know, obviously the world's greatest age secret agent, the Bond performance. Quintessential things that go into the James Bond performance. The swagger, the way he carries himself, the dress, the tuxedo, the, the lapel flower versus the, you know, the naval jacket. Bond wearing the uniform, the way he delivers the Bond, the James Bond. 
those things are all taken into account of, of the performance. Is it more whimsical? Is it more, is it more serious? How does he deliver, how does he deliver the quotes? How does he deal with, with women and superiors and, you know, and the situations he's in? We've got a number of different people that have played this role. You know, how do we rank them? You got six, you got six people who played the role. For over 24 films, you've you're got six Bonds with that. Mike hit the nail on the head, basically what we're looking for in the Bond performance and what you think each actor brings to the table. Yeah, I think uh, the realism that plays a big part too. Like, how realistic is this guy that's a secret agent, as good looking as it is, as perfect as he is, is how like realistic is he that he's also going to save the world? But it's also the ridiculousness of it. Exactly. Right? And it's, and, and there, look, there's no objective scale to that, right? But it is, you know, are you willing to buy into the fact that this ridiculous character is able to do these things? And if you enjoy that, that goes into the, the performance of that character. And then on the converse, you have the realism slash the ridiculousness of the ultimate villain in each movie, right? Because again, these things are pretty linear. Ian Fleming in his genius was pretty linear. There was good guys and bad guys, or good gals and bad gals. And the, the villains in, in these movies are pretty straightforward. Who are they? What are they trying to do? What, what qualities about them make them evil? You know, what about their layers or their, their, their secret plots and all Perky of the names that, that are part of them? Looking at Bond villain, you're also looking at the actor here as well. You know, is this actor a believable villain? Do you believe that this guy is a threat? The layer, the name, technique, any, all this goes into to the Bond villain score. Now, the thing that does not go into the Bond villain score, very important, is the henchman or henchwoman. That is included in a separate score. However, it could influence the score. It's allowed to, but it's not considered when we are talking about these things. But something that is talked about separate is the quintessential Bond girl or girls throughout the movie. Now, obviously, some as we get later in this series, there are two and three different actresses that are considered Bond girls, even though there is normally one ultimate Bond girl per film. That's where the majority of the basis of the ranking comes from. I mean, for example, you take, let's just take the first movie, Dr. No. Obviously, we all know Honey Rider is the first and original Bond girl, but there are two other women of which Bond has interactions and relations with in the movie, so that's taken into account. But it's weighted based on the primary Bond girl. And I mean, listen, when we're going into this, we're talking influence on the film, we're talking looks, we're talking introductions. There's a lot of things that are going into scoring the overall Bond girl here. They have some power moves, like some made the kill, some are like certified badasses. They gotta have different variables. They can't just be extremely hot. No. Like exactly. you gotta you gotta have a good name, you gotta kick ass, and you gotta be hot. Right. There's <laughs> there's multiple criteria that fall yes. under the Bond girl here. There's things that are gonna influence sure. the score high or yeah. low and what they bring to the table for each film. Sure, yeah. sure. But now, I, I think we all believe, like, we all are on the same page. You got to have a good name. 
Gotta have a good Bond girl name. It boosts the score. It boosts the score for sure. Oh, 100% boosts the score. But I also think you need to be more than just window dressing. 100%. Some of of the characters are in some of these different... There's some that are just window dressing. And there are some that are just straight up badass. There are those that steal Bond's heart. There are those that kill bad guys and bad gals. And there are those that, you know, are driving the cars in the chase scenes. You know, and all that is taken into account. And there are some that you never hear of their name. There's some that the character just never gets developed. Yep. You're gonna see. You're gonna see your highs and lows for Bond Girl too. Sure. Some betray him. They trick him. They almost kill him. Like they almost get the best of him. Get to the categories that are some of the next categories a little bit more straightforward. Guns, cars, gadgets. As when you think Bond movie, you think futuristic gadgets. You think exotic cars, you think unique weapons, you think all of these things that that we want to believe that spies in real life are using to to defend our countries. So so we put that into a category. And while it is a subjective, objective list, you know, we tried to do this in a way that makes a lot of sense. So you score it based on things that are realistic, and you also score it based on the overall entertainment and the the overall quantity value. There's some early movies and some mid-movies where it doesn't really have much other than maybe the gun he's given and a watch, and then there's others where he's got jetpacks and underwater cars and lasers in space. The other part of this is how do these guns, cars, and gadgets get him out of trouble? How does that influence the film? He can have something amazing made up by Q Branch at some point, and it never never has an impact in the film. It just is kind of there in, in the whole realm of you know the film. It doesn't actually have an impact. The other thing here, same way Bond villain is not influenced by the henchmen, Guns, Cars, Gadgets is not influenced by Q here. Only the gadgets that Q makes fall into this. He'll, he'll fall into a different category altogether. Sure. And when we talk about gadgets, we also want to talk, the gadgets are on the car as well. Like, Bond's going to have some sick cars that have some legit gadgets on them. Not just talking about the watches or anything, maybe weapons he has. But the gadgets on the car, that's going to, like, play a huge role in my ratings on the car, is what's on, like, what's going on with the car. Is it yep. just a sick car, or is there gun turrets coming out of the headlights? In, in addition to Bond's cool car. Invisible and driving, you know, upwards on ice. Yeah, we won't talk about that. Some of these bad guys have cooler gadgets, cars, vehicles than Bond in some movies coming up too. So that's also a factor in all of my scores. Yeah, no, sometimes sometimes the villain's got some cool gadgets, you know, that, that falls into the film. It's okay. not just Bond's gadgets, it's just gadgets in got, general. You know, sometimes the villain's got some uh, some cool supporting cast, right? And that's the next category. So, you know, we look at the supporting cast as a, as a quantitative measure the you know the character or characters that are playing you know in the mi6 world right you know m and money penny and q and you know but also the hench people there's you know the the more famous odd jobs and jaws of the world and you know maybe there's the famous you know supporting cast members that maybe help him out that you may not know off the top of your head the quarrels and kareem bays of the world you know this runs the whole gamut of those that are not bond and villain um and not gadget you know but they play quintessential roles yeah, some, some will be movie-specific, some will be recurring characters. You're going to get MI6, you know, you're going to get sometimes Felix Leiter. Yeah, you're going to get the um, CIA. 
You know, you're you're gonna have some characters that you're gonna see yep. in and out of certain films. You get members and some, of them, you know, some will just be one movie and gone. Yeah. And you touched on MI6, like we're gonna get different cues, we're gonna get different uh M's. we're gonna get different money pennies. We're gonna we're grading those performances as well, as well as these henchmen scores. I think Michael, you touched on earlier. The henchman, this is what's gonna go back on the villain score. The the henchman cannot outshine the main villain or the villain stinks absolutely stinks and the henchmen which they'll have a good score but the villain score is gonna be stink it's gonna be stinks yep yeah like jaws yeah jaws is great well, there's plenty of cases <laughs> i know a couple off the top of my head yeah yeah you know I mean, look and, and then that that leads us into i guess well, all right we'll go well no my list is flipped from your list but you know, so in addition to guns, cars, gadgets, in addition to the supporting cast, the other things that are, part of the Bond, that are part of the Bond movie are, you know, the quintessential chase and fight scenes, right? You know, the, these things are the fabric of, of a Bond film. And, you know, are they good? Are they bad? You know, the, you know, is it him using gizmos and gadgets to defeat hundreds of people in the army or, you know, him driving a tank through the wall and adjusting his tie? I mean, there are dozens of these throughout. Yeah, um, and I think the four of us discussed it as well. It's, you know, we're not only are we gonna grade the, the chase scenes, but we're also gonna include like some of the quintessential fight scenes in this category. Yeah. So it's really, you know, whether it be a car chase, helicopter chase, boat chase, any of those fall into this category, but also any of your fight scenes on a train or, you know, um, in, in the, you know, Underwater. The evil layer of the, the villain, any of those fight scenes will also impact this score. Yeah, it's a big category, guys. I mean, there's a chase or fight scene in every Bond film. There's not a gadget in every Bond film. Oh. So that's going to hurt the gadget scores of some of these films. There's a chase scene in every single Bond movie. Some yep. have upwards of three, too, so that's going to be like yeah. a huge factor. Yeah, look, and you know, and and as they continued to to build these movies out, they became the fabric. You know, it became part of the cinematography, became part of the Bond formula, and that's where we derive these categories from. Another important part of the Bond formula is the opening scene, the opening song, and the the title credits that correspond to that song. Now, obviously, as we got to the the second, third, and beyond. We started, you know, songs were created in order to market the movies, but they became, you know, but this became part of the fabric of Bond, right? You know, uh, an opening scene, you know, there's, you know, every one of the, every one of these movies has a unique gun barrel intro, right? The little, you know, the, 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 the shiny lights go across and then we see a gun barrel, Bond shoots and, you know, and takes out the, the viewer, you know, breaking down the fourth wall there. So, Every bit of that it is part of part of that. Also, you know, there is you know, you, there is not a Bond movie that doesn't include a musical interlude to go over the title credits. Yeah, um, and I mean, with that, you know, the standalone power of those songs, how they impact you know society at that point, how how they hold up, you know, years later, um, you know, those songs are going to be driving this score for the most part, but. I mean, the credit, the credit movie itself, you know, just the, the small bit of, you know, the dancing shadows in the back and, you know, the, you know, well, I'll use Casino Royale and, and all the, the play on the cards in, in that sequence and how it relates to each film, stuff like that. 
um, and and the sequence, the the first scene you see. The logo of the movie too, but I think this was my going to be my favorite category. I love all the songs. I already have a playlist. I sent you guys a, a pic today of driving down the road with a serious XM and like Carly Simon came on with a Spy Who Loved Me. Like these Bond songs are everywhere. And straight up, I call bullshit too. You don't love all these songs. Some of these songs are absolute dog shit. I mean, they're fucking terrible. There's a couple of these that are awful. Okay, I there's love it. There are some of these that are iconic. I love at least 20. God, yeah. I, I'm with Soup. This is a guilty pleasure category for me. Like, I, I like more of these songs than I hate them. And I, I may or may not work out to like a James Bond playlist and just listen to these intro songs and just go on runs. Uh, I, I agree. I agree. I, I love more than I hate. For sure. Uh, don't get me wrong. I do like, I absolutely hate like maybe three or four. Quantum. I can't even, I can't hit repeat on it. Like I may even skip those like anytime I hear them, but, uh, but to what you alluded to DJ, uh, I ranked like, as I did like the initial bond movie rankings, I ranked the songs too, but I didn't include the opening credits. I think the opening actual credits will play a big part of the score for me yeah. uh, going forward. And the opening scene, like I, like, I don't like some Bond movies, but I love like the opening scene. So like this could score high and then be a shitty movie. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's part of it, right? Is I mean, like some, all, some, all the some Converse, right? down category by category, yep. it's going to be, it's going to yep. be scoring high in some aspects of the film. It doesn't necessarily make it, you know, a great film. And look, on the converse, there are some movies that are pretty phenomenal top to bottom whose songs stink. Like, you know, like, you know, and the example I use is Goldeneye, right? Like, the, the opening of Goldeneye is phenomenal, and the, the song stinks, but the rest of the movie is actually very good. It, it's one Even of the better, on the edge. better Bond movies, but, you know, Tina Turner's song, you know, look, I'll, you know, you're welcome to fight me on this one, but the song stinks. It's, it's, we'll, it's, we'll get to that later. It's Another episode. Yeah, another episode. <laughs> yeah, but the final word is the song stinks. So moving on, you know, things that don't stink are the quintessential James Bond quotes, right? You know, he not only is he is the most debonair uh, spy that we all know, but quick-witted, quick-tongued, great with the ladies. This all goes into this category. Now we throw some of the other, you know, some some lines from Q Branch and MI6 and Villains. All of these things get get packed into this category, right? Because as we continue to build out this series, you know, the uh, the the comedy and the the whimsical, but also the cutting and cunningness of of the tongue here, you know, makes a lot of the fabric of these movies. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, Bond is known for his, his quick jabs and and you know quick thinking and some of these puns, uh, but you know, obviously sometimes the villain's going to have a good one or money penny will throw you know, a wrench in there. Um, all these will factor in. Um, I don't know. Quotes, quotes are like the, the, the fabric of, of the film, you know? Yeah. He even calls him a cunning linguist. Like at one point, I think it's uh, maybe tomorrow never dies, but great quote. Right. And I think we're kind of, we're going to try to steer away from like the classic quotes. Am I right? Like, correct. Correct. Well, we're not going to include that into our score. Correct. I alluded to it earlier, but I, I omitted one, and apologies to me. Things that will not be taken into account, in quotes, are the Bond actor's delivery of the Bond, James Bond, and the shaken, not stirred, 
or different type lines, right? Those are part of the performance, you know, that, you know, to be bond, you must be able to, you know, embody those two phrases. Everything else is pretty much a movie by movie thing. Yeah. And I agree to DJ's point. Not every film is going to have bonds going to have the best quotes. The best quotes sometimes come from the villa. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which what's next? Now, and then, then speaking of villains, <laughs> in addition to in addition to that, we then have you know the conclusion of the movie, the way everything wraps up, right? How how Bond is seen at the end of the movie, typically um, minus maybe one, um, you know, in victory, usually in the in the arms of a uh, a beautiful woman, um, but also how the villain of that movie. Um, is dispensed with you know usually in the last few minutes uh you know bond is able to dispense with the villain save the world and then get the girl um some of those happen in better fashion than others um and we're going to rank those because that that's also part of it yeah and i mean outside of just the villain death also the henchman deaths Mm kind of get lumped in here as well because this is the film coming to its ultimate ultimate conclusion so you're getting you're getting your deaths of X, Y, and Z henchmen and your main villain, and then you're seeing Bond victorious with the woman. Yeah, and the and a lot of times, guys, as I say a lot, maybe some of the times, the villain, the main villain's not going to die. No. So we we're going to have to fall back on some some other deaths in the in the film and rank that. Yeah. And for this, like, we'll also factor in like the cunning escapes, like sometimes, like in getting picked up by the plane in Thunderball after setting up the balloon or the boat scene at the end of Dr. No. Usually at the beginning of the series, some cheesy exits, but. Yeah. Conclusions just as, just as important as any other category in this one. If yeah, not, and then in, in addition to all of this nonsense, we hope to be able to throw in some interesting facts that we have found. We hope to be uh, able to throw in, have a discussion about the total number of folks that are killed during these movies. Some are more violent than others. So we hope to be able to, you know, talk through some of the tallies of the amount of women that James Bond brings to bed with him in these movies and some discussions around that. Um, we also hope to be able to talk about how these these movies, you know, and we, we say this at the top, this is the one of the most influential movie franchises of all time, how they influence parody movies like the Austin Power Culture World, you know, how they've influenced culture, perhaps where some of these famous actors and actresses have gone on to after their first roles. Um, in Bond. It's kind of an unusual thing to have really high profile actors and actresses in Bond movies. This is usually what launches their their careers into the stratosphere. Nobody knew who the hell Sean Connery was until he became James Bond. So, you know, and then there's dozens of other stories like that. So we hope to be able to throw some of that into the mix and in, as part of this. And I mean, I'll, I'll speak for the four of us, hopefully. Um, you know, I think the ultimate goal here is to to drive, you know, an episode per film first. And then from there, lead us into uh, the new film, the 25th installment in November. Um, so I think we want to eventually get to that. And, you know, we'll do film by film, 
maybe afterwards we'll go through some of our rankings, you know, after we conclude all the films and, um, and we'll figure out, you know, what scores high, what scores low and how we compare to, to the general public. Yeah. And whenever this podcast just like breaks the, the roof and we're famous or whatever, then we'll go into the, we'll rank some bond girls and bond songs and we'll fi- we'll figure out a way to stretch this podcast out. We'll get some Absolutely. special guests what? on. Uh, <laughs> what are some of these people up to nowadays? We can bring them on. That's right. Awesome. I'm excited, guys. Thanks. Oh, this, fun. Fun. This, fun. this will be good. Yeah, no, it's, this is going to be a good time. Um, hopefully we get some people that follow along with us and uh, we're going to have fun with it. I mean, listen, we're going to drink. We're going to talk Bond. We're going to joke around um, and hopefully everyone enjoys it. I know a lot of people have done Bond podcasts, but I don't think anything's going to be quite like this one. No, look, you know, there's a lot of folks out there that are doing, you know, YouTube rankings and have done different podcasts, but I have never seen anybody try to quantify it in a way that they can be judged against one another on a scale. And, you know, while the 100 point scale may be passe, um, maybe used in too many things at this point, I I think it's a a relatively fair and objective way to try to rank these things against themselves and then ultimately against one another to create the ultimate ranking at the end of the day. You know, create the system at which all these things can, can be legitimately judged against. Yeah. And we say it's objective, but this is going to be the definitive ranking. The ultimate Bond ranking. This is yeah. it. Subjectively, this is the most <laughs> objective way it could possibly ever be done. We're unqualified, but we're qualified, right? We can promote, we can promote it on Google. So whenever somebody types yeah. in Bond ranking, we could pay like $9 a month and we'll be first. Totally. So, uh, so with that, we, uh, we hope you consider listening. We hope you uh, consider tolerating our nonsense uh, for 25 and maybe 26 and hopefully some other – some other ones after that um, as we branch off. So enjoy.